While I've been a huge fan of single-family rental property for years, there are some advantages to multifamily and commercial property. So I'm very happy to introduce you to our new team member at Real Wealth Network, Adam Whitmire. He'll be assisting our listeners and members with finding commercial properties nationwide. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. On today's episode, we'll discuss some of the major differences between investing in single-family rentals versus commercial real estate, and which asset class might make more sense for you and your strategy. So, Adam, welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Glad to be here. So I wanted to introduce you to our audience because I want them to know that it's not just me at Real Wealth Network. (laughs) I'm the one that's out there the most and people hear from me, but we have a big team of over 20 staff people at Real Wealth Network. And you have joined our team on the commercial side. And tell me a little bit about that. I know it's been a big change for Real Wealth Network because we've always were known for single family. But when you sell a big property in California, you want a 1031 exchange it, and maybe you sold it for two or $3 million, that would be, you know, 30 or 40 houses you'd have to buy. So buying a a larger building is a better deal. And and you've been able to help some of our members with that. So just kind of tell me how that's been going and what the response has been and some of the lessons learned. Absolutely, Kathy. It's been interesting and, and exciting because a lot of the members and the ones that we've spoken with have a lot of their experience has been in single family. And a lot of them really have grown their portfolios so substantially that they really just wanted to get into a larger single asset. And as opposed to managing assets in multiple states, they wanted to get more in the commercial or apartment buildings is what we see seems to be the most popular. And it's kind of like a, a step up, you know, in Monopoly, they, they tell you about, you know, when you get four greenhouses, you can trade it up for a red hotel. And so I think, I think a lot of people kind of follow that because it seems to be along the same lines. It's been really interesting and it's been really exciting working with all the professional teams that you've put together, Tim's put together as well on the ground. Yeah. And so what has been interesting is, like you said, most of our members and listeners are building a single family portfolio. They're able to get 10 investor loans per person or maybe nine for one and 10 for the other, because one of those loans might be a primary residence. Uh, So many couples are are going up to 20 properties because they can get that long-term fixed rate financing and, and diversify with single family homes across the country. But then they aren't able to finance anymore and, and start looking at commercial or maybe maybe they just don't want to be owning so many properties. They just like to exchange it all into one. So we introduced those people to you because you've been acting as a a co-broker for Real Wealth Realty. And there's been some big lessons learned. And I I wanted to talk about that because a lot of people do have the dream of, as you say, trading up uh, into a larger building, but they don't really understand the terminology or what's involved or how it's different. So let's kind of talk about the basics. If, If you were considering that, maybe wanting to trade single family into multifamily or into a commercial or retail of some kind, what are the main things that people should know? What are the differences? You know, that's a really good that you asked that question because we ended up having to explain that a lot as we talked to different members. And investing in commercial and investing in residential are very different. And we're even going to call apartment buildings or multifamily, that's still residential. That's commercial. It's a commercial residential product. 
So a commercial product like a triple net lease, and one of the reasons that we were honing in on single tenant investment grade triple net leases because they were one of your lower risk. So for a new investor investing in a triple net lease or investing in commercial in general, it's going to be lower risk to do a type of triple net lease because it's going to be less expensive. And these, they typically have kind of a long time frame. But here's what it comes down to. You're not going to get the same returns on the commercial side as you're going to get on the residential side. You're just not. And so, so what they're doing is they're growing their portfolio and then they want to get to commercial. But when they start looking at commercial, they're going to realize like it, when a tenant moves out of your retail or office space, it may be a year to lease it up or six months or 12 months or 18 to do the lease. And then when you do the lease, you negotiate everything up front and then the lease is longer and the tenant's easier to deal with because it's a professional tenant. But the people that invest in commercial often have lots of money that they're having more of a challenge to deploy. When you have a smaller portfolio that you really want to grow and get it bigger, you want to kind of get the most bang for your buck. That's not always and commercial. The biggest bang for your buck is by focusing on things that have a higher risk and more work for you to do. So if you want your portfolio to be more passive, um, then yeah, you, you move into commercial. And if it's got large enough, then you kind of move into commercial. You're getting more towards your retirement years and you want it, you know, you move toward commercial. If you're growing and building a portfolio, uh, sticking with residential, going from a single family portfolio to a Small or mid-sized multi-family portfolio is a very simple transition because you're dealing with the same tenant, the same concepts. It's just a different building. The only thing that really makes multifamily more risky than a single-family home is the number of zeros behind the transaction, really. So instead of diversifying your portfolio over a number of single-family homes, you have one building. So let's say if your single-family property has a bad tenant, or an issue or some kind of renovate, whatever problem, imagine if that was your only property and all your money was in that one property, right? Now, that's what an apartment building's like. It, it basically, it's less diversified, it's one building, okay? So you're gonna have all the same problems you have with a bunch of single family homes, but you also, you know, it's just gonna be a one building, but you have more, more tenants, you have more efficiencies you can put in place as well. So there's different obstacles um, and hurdles to jump, but it's a lot easier transition than doing something like going into like an office lease or a, a triple net lease or a, another type of really a non-residential commercial or self-storage. You really want to have a larger cash reserve or you want to have some experience in commercial before you just jump right in it. Oh, for sure. So let's start with triple net lease. What does that mean for the new commercial investor? So a triple net lease. So let's say Let's use a Dollar General because they're probably one of my favorite triple net leases. A Dollar General operates off of a triple net lease. And sometimes they're single net, double net, and triple net. And when they say that, they're referring to what items the landlord has to pay for. Triple net lease really means you don't pay for anything. You sign the lease and then the tenant pays for everything else. But there are varying opinions of what a triple net lease is. And so if somebody says this building, this dollar general, it's a triple net lease, but the landlord has to cover parking lot maintenance and roof maintenance, right? Or maybe they have to pay taxes or insurance. A full true triple net lease, the tenant really pays for all those things. Pays for taxes, insurance, pays for all the expenses. So you get a check every month 
that's just net of all the expenses and the tenant covers all those things. That's what a triple net lease is. It's having your tenant pay for all your maintenance and all your all any of those other issues that come up. But you just have to look really closely because most of, a lot of times they'll say it's triple net lease, but it's really not. You have to really kind of read between the lines. You have to, and that's where knowing what you're doing comes in. But you don't have to have a property manager to have mm-hmm. a to manage a triple net lease. If it's true triple net, you don't need a property management company to do that for you. That saves a lot of money on the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah, right. that's that's great. Uh, so if somebody has a portfolio of single family homes, particularly turnkey, then they they've had a somewhat passive investment. I mean, real estate always takes effort. If you if you own single families, you're having to manage the property manager and keep your insurance up to date. And, you know, there's still things you have to do. It's not totally passive. But let's say now you're at a stage in life where you'd like to trade that into a triple net lease that maybe has a lower cap rate, but no effort on your part because they've signed a five-year triple net lease and uh, they cover everything and you just collect the money and you can go sail around the world. What kinds of things are out there that fall under that category and what can investors expect in return for a, a capital return? So a triple net lease, and it depends on how much, if they're ready to not manage property managers anymore and you basically nailed it as to why they would do it, right? Because they don't want to deal with the management. Um, you've got a more professional tenant. So if you look at things like a Taco Bell or a Walgreens, the stronger the tenant, the lower the return you're going to get. On a Walgreens, you could end up getting like a four. I've seen some of those at four and five caps. And maybe if you you go down a little bit, and there's a rating system online which shows which ones are investment grade tenants. We've looked at like Verizon's is another one that we like. Verizon stores, those are triple net leases, but you'll notice some of those are corporate owned, which are owned by Verizon, the company, and some of those are retailer owned, owned by independent owners and operators. And so just because it says Verizon doesn't mean it's investment grade, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Like if some retailers own hundreds of Verizon stores and they're very strong and have very strong operations. It just means that you're going to get a higher return on that money. You could get a 10 cap instead of like saying like an eight cap, like a dollar general. Again, I like generals because in recessions, they do well. So a dollar general wants to stay as far as away from a Walmart as it can, whereas a dollar store wants to be as close to a Walmart as they can, because a dollar stores offer different products than a Walmart, but a dollar general, you're going to find it in a residential area where there's not a lot of not retail or shopping nearby. You're going to sit near vacation areas. Again, where somebody goes on vacation, they forgot some things they're going to run in. But on a brand new building, you might expect like a seven cap, a six or seven cap. And as that building gets older, uh, so on a brand new building, you'll see when somebody starts a triple net lease, you're going to see like maybe a 10-year lease. Or as you do a Walgreens or something like that, you could see a 20-year lease, right? The longer the lease, the more investment, the more strength that the tenant has, the lower the return. So again, those returns could be anywhere from 4 to 5% up towards around 10%. You don't see a lot of them above 10%, not on the triple net lease side, but it could be a retail shopping center. And when you go negotiate leases, those could be triple net leases. And so depending on the size of your portfolio, but again, when you're moving from residential to commercial, usually they're smaller portfolios. So you're going to see maybe a single tenant, triple net leasage. But again, a lot of them will go to the multifamily. And even on the multifamily, Kathy, it's easier to manage than one property manager managing so many different single family homes. 
often it can be easier managed. But again, triple net leases, you can just work directly with the tenant and just have them send the money directly over to you. Usually you don't need a property manager. Yeah, it seems like if you're truly looking for passive, you would not choose the apartment. I, I could be wrong, but that's just been my experience. Like I, I'm talking about you want to go travel the world or you want to, you know, just not deal with this investment and treat it almost like a stock. You would want that one single tenant triple net lease, right? That's right. So there are varying degrees of passive. Real estate is not passive, which is why it gives you a higher return than what you can get in like bonds or, or something. So the stock market is passive. But if you're anything else, so you're just basically moving up in you're getting a more professionally managed product or product that has fewer moving parts or professional tenant who's easier to deal with, who's, you know, just different circumstances. So they do become more passive as they go along, but real estate in general is it's never passive unless it is investing into an actual fund or a REIT or you're investing in the stock market. That is the most passive. And you typically get higher returns on a lot of the funds because they're less liquid and just investing in stocks. And so so but but again there's a number of ways to do it passive. Some people have managed to do such a good job in managing their portfolio that they've gotten it relatively passive, but again, it's not truly passive, which is why it has a higher return. So you're likely to earn higher returns in residential than you are in a lot of commercial assets. And the amount of capital that you need to get in there is going to be lower. You know, to get into commercial, you need more capital and more reserves. So what are some of the questions that Real Wealth Network members have been asking you when they're considering going into commercial? What are the things that they need to know, in addition to what you already shared? Basically, they really wanted to know the difference. They expected a certain type of return that they're getting in residential that they're not going to get in commercial. That's not why you invest in commercial. It's, it's just for different reasons. It's more like we talked about. It's a little bit more passive. It's easier to manage. And you can deploy more capital at one time on commercial transactions. So that's really what it comes down to. Often they ask us about financing. So we had to go out and research a number of different lenders that provide financing for apartment buildings or triple net leases or office buildings, retail buildings, different things like that. And so we had a number of different tenants. Your loan to values on those will probably be usually a little bit less, but it's often not very different from residential. And they wanted to know about property management. Do I have a property manager there? And depending on if you need a property manager, the only one I would say that you really don't need a property manager would be a single tenant, triple net lease. Those were really the main questions we got. And then we talked about, is it investment grade tenant um, or what kind of tenant is here? If I have someone and it's not an investment grade tenant, it's just like a professional, like an attorney or CPA or something like that. Can I ask them for their financials? And yes, you can. If you're going to rent to them, you can have them show you their financials so that you can get a good idea if that business is strong, if that business is going to last a long time. And so that's part of the due diligence process. You typically do want to have a broker on the ground helping you negotiate the lease, 100% for sure. That is the one thing that you do not want to do by yourself. And the commercial is the lease up. Commercial leases are varying and they can be very complicated. And so you have to understand because you're going to be trading out. Um, there could be things where you have to come in and 
do some build out, do some remodeling. You need to know what you're responsible for, what they're responsible for. Another good thing about working with the commercial and professional tenants, like if they leave, oftentimes they'll continue to pay that lease, even if they're not there. And they'll give you time to kind of lease it out. And so there's lots of negotiations that take place. All the negotiations are around that lease contract on the commercial side. So you definitely don't want to do that on your own. You want to have a professional commercial broker. Don't do that on your own. Yeah. No. Great advice. Yeah. All right. And then finally, the difference, I know you touched on multifamily. It is my very strong opinion that understand all the ins and outs of multifamily before jumping in. It's a very different animal between the financing and the management. And uh, like you said, it's all under one roof. Mm -hmm. There are ways that you can dramatically accelerate your wealth building dramatically. And at the same time, it can drop at the same speed if you do things wrong or if you have something happen like what happened to us when we had a 92-unit building and there was a gas leak and the entire building was evacuated in one evening. It was right before we bought it, actually, but uh, which is why we got a deal. But for the guy that brought it to us, he had a fully leased out building one day, and the next he had zero, <laughs> zero <laughs> occupancy. That's and then, amazing. and then the city wouldn't let him. We had lots of uh, hoops he had to jump through to to even be able to get the certificate of occupancy back on that building. So again, like it can go big and it can go bad. <laughs> it's all under one roof. Absolutely. And, and we did. That was probably the one thing that we noticed that members were the most interested in for the apartment. I'll tell you one thing you don't do. If you've never built, been in apartments, do not ever go buy a vacant apartment building. Because then you don't need apartment experience. You need construction mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. But I've seen it several times. I had a, had a client that they bought a 40-unit apartment building and... The contractor who bid it out, bid it out incorrectly. This happened actually to two different clients, I think, simultaneously that I was working with at the time. They both had the same situation. The contractor bid it out, and then when they went after they closed, they realized that they were underbid by half, right? And so it was actually going to cost twice what they thought. So if you're going to look at something multifamily, find something that's actually performing, something that's actually cash flowing, because like the landlord, Kathy, you mentioned, obviously had not been maintaining, may not have been maintaining the building properly, letting it go down. Multifamily to me is, yeah, I guess, is a little bit different because I, I grew up in that. You know, uh, I saw my grandparents build a lot of those apartment buildings as I was a kid and out there helping them and collecting rents for them and helping as they were building them, helping pick up, you know, copper around the building and clean up and all that stuff. And I remember they, we had one, it was a small 30 unit apartment building that my grandparents sold it. This was a, a guy who was a six-figure earner, had good income. He, he never invested in real estate before, but he wanted to get into apartments. So he bought it. We ended up taking that building back just a few years later because he had run it into the ground. Yeah. He basically tried to milk the cash flow, didn't give it the time and attention it needed. You know, He had a, a cheap handyman that would just do things on the cheap, and he kind of let it get run down. And they started getting, the tenants started getting worse. And you know, it's all about management. Mm-hmm. And if you can come in and manage something better than the person that owns it, at least as good as the person that owns it, then you're going to make, you know, similar to what they're making. Or if you do it better, maybe you can make more income. But if you don't know, it's challenging. And one of the most challenging parts is if you're buying directly from 
a seller who's owned it a long time and they're doing self-managing it and they give you a, an income and expense reporting, that's not going to be what your expense costs are going to be. And, you know, it, it doesn't work like that because first of all, your taxes are going to immediately go up when you buy it, right? Because of the new price. But if you buy one that's being managed by a third party and the seller's kind of hands off, you know, you got a better perspective. But if it's a, the seller's self-managing it, you're going to have to go in and make all, a number of changes to those expenses. So these are things that you have to, Kathy, like you said, those are things that they will have to know before jumping in. They need to know what they're looking at when they're looking at financials. They need to know, first of all, if you don't buy a vacant building or even one that's 50% occupancy, I wouldn't recommend it for sure. No. And maybe if it's 75 or 80, yeah, maybe that's okay if the cash flow looks good. But again, like you said, certain things that you have to know, they're going to get ripped off. You're taking your diversified single family portfolio, undiversifying it and putting it into one asset, which is totally fine. You know, who is this? I don't remember who quoted, said, you know, put all your eggs in one basket and keep your eyes on that basket. You know, if you've got experience to do that, then you don't have the same amount of risk. But the fact that you're de-diversifying, you're inherently increasing your risk. So you're going to need to know a little bit more and keep a closer eye on it. It's not going to be passive, even if you have a really good manager, or maybe you can hire an asset manager, and then still it's not going to be passive. So, but, but you can still do it and you can still make it successful. You just have to get yourself educated. Get educated. Yeah. There's, I, as you know, I'm in a mastermind with Rod Cleef and you got to go to that. Uh, I know there's lots of books out there. Oh, that was wonderful. Lots of trainers. Oh, awesome. But I would say Adam is here for our members looking for commercial property to 1031 into or to trade up if you're done having single family homes or you've just maxed out on your loans and want to start getting commercial loans. Adam is here to assist you with that. And if you want to remain passive and don't want to get educated, definitely go for the triple net lease option because that's a lot easier to understand and learn. And if you want to get into multifamily, Adam's just not going to be able to work with you until you've proven that you understand the basics and <laughs> the terms. So what book or what education do you recommend so that people can come to you prepared? Honestly, I would recommend they get involved in a multifamily mastermind, some type of multifamily mastermind where they can kind of rub shoulders with people. Um, and it depends on their level of involvement that they want to have. If someone said they wanted to be very involved in understanding financials, then they need to take a financial class. All of our analysts that we hire on our team are required to take a CCIM 101 course. You know, it's $1,500, it's three or four days, and it teaches you how to underwrite financials on a property, on any kind of property. Ooh, that is great advice. And you just got your CCIM status, right? I did. I got my CCIM. It took me a couple of years. It's a little bit expensive, but and you have to have a, done a certain number of volume, I think 30 million or 50 million or something like that in transactions, but it's, it's worth, it's, it's by far one of the best courses I've ever taken in real estate. And what it is, it's for corporations. If you wanted to be help a company buy or sell or negotiate a lease or work or manage real estate, they typically look for those designations because it's what it's geared to. But if you just took that one class the first one, the intro class. And I think, Kathy, also, you've got somebody on your team that took it. I think Joe took it as well. Joe's taken that intro class, the financial analysis one. It'll teach you how to financially underwrite an apartment building, mm. how to read the financials on a triple net lease, a commercial, residential, that one class. I make all of our analysts take that one course. 
really one of the best. Yeah, that, that would oh, be a, gra- a, a great investment for anybody that really, really wants to know what they're looking at. And for 1500 bucks, it's that's a, a deal. Yeah, for 1500 bucks. Okay, good. And, the, and it's, what does CCIM stand for? It's a for? Certified Commercial Investment Member. Basically, commercial investment mm-hmm. real estate designation. It's one of the largest and oldest. Perfect. That is a great place to start. Okay, Adam, well, thank you. If, if anyone's interested in reaching out to him, you can uh, reach out at adam at realwealthnetwork.com. That's right. Well, have a wonderful rest of your day, Adam. We look forward to having you come speak again at one of our upcoming events. And thank you for all the ways that you are helping our investors increase their wealth. Thank you, Kathy. I appreciate it. And thank you for joining me here on The Real Wealth Show. If you'd like to reach out to Adam directly, you can do so by sending an email to adam at realwealthnetwork.com. And be sure to check out our East Coast Property Showcase on February 9th. We'll have all 12 of our preferred income property providers nationwide joining us for one day in Tampa so that if you're in the middle of a 1031 exchange, you can just meet everyone in one day to help make the process a lot easier. And a lot of these affiliates do have access to multifamily property. So if that's of interest to you, be sure to check it out at realwealthnetwork.com. Just click on the Learn tab and you'll see the details for our East Coast Income Property Showcase. I can't wait to see some of our listeners over the weekend. We're going to have a great time. And from what I've heard from our event planners, it looks like we might be doing some karaoke on Saturday night after the event. So again, check it out. It's free at realwealthnetwork.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you soon. Bye-bye.